I'm Zoraida Cordova, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. I bypassed the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I'm here with my co-host. He is sharper than Cad Bane's teeth. It's... (laughs) Hey, it's the mouth of Sauron. (laughs) The mouth of Sauron. Throwback. Oh, man. How's it going, Brandon? Uh, it, it's it's going. It's been uh, the longest. Uh, this week has been the longest year of my life. Oh uh, man! But we survived it. It's a Friday night. We're recording. We're talking some book of Boba Fett. So I am very excited, and we have some friends here with us today uh, to to add to this conversation. Uh, first up is the man that graces your ears with the sweet tones, like Max Rebo. Please welcome Mark Marquis. Good evening. Hey! And finally, help us welcome a friend as amazing as a BD droid. It's Adriana. Hi! Yay, I'm so excited to be here. It's been a while. <laughs> it has been. It has been a while since we've had you guys on, so I was excited to catch up, excited to uh, talk about Book of Boba Fett, and we will have full spoilers after uh, after the break, but I actually wanted to take advantage of having Mark and Adriana on the show, and uh, Adriana, I'm going to let you have this one first. I'm going to ask you a very important question. What have you been Star Warsing lately? Um, I've been Star Warsing the book of Boba Fett. Yes. <laughs> That's I deep mean... and unexpected. <laughs> Quite the plot twist. Um, yeah, that and I, I kind of went back and started a rewatch of The Mandalorian uh, because I love them. I love, <laughs> you know how I feel about Grogu, so... Mark, what about you? What have you been Star Warsing? We haven't caught up in a minute. Well, it's hard to believe, but I also have been watching the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> Listen, I already have Drew here for the sass. I don't need the two of you, so if it's going to be like this, you can just see yourselves out. Uh, but I would add that I have, I have gotten through some of Fallen Star. Um, oh wow! Yes, I, I'm, I'm. It's taking me a long time because I've got a lot of a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, but I have been uh, inching my way through it and uh, enjoying it, and also trying to avoid spoilers because that's tough with you folks that read so fast and like read it in <laughs> two days. And <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. I've enjoyed all of the the High Republic books that I've read. That one I got through quicker than most of them because I was doing a lot of traveling and sitting in hotel rooms and stuff. So I had that extra time um, to get through it. But I have moved on to Thrawn, the new Thrawn book. Because, well, my here's my thinking. I have Midnight Horizon on my nightstand. My thinking was, okay, I will, uh, I'll, I'll read Thrawn because it'll motivate me to get through it to get to Midnight Horizon. <laughs> that's apparently not how motivation works so i think i might uh might pick up midnight horizon tonight and uh and see 
what that's all about because that that one's uh, another Daniel Jose older one. So I'm excited yep. to check that one out. And I caught up on the the speaking of Boba Fett uh, inspired me to to go and check out the War of the Bounty Hunters comics. Have you guys read those? Oh, I have not. No. Quite good. This is the series. So spoiler alert uh, for for the series and. Um, but it's the return of Crimson Dawn and Kira is at the head of it. And um, essentially they steal Han from Boba Fett and Calamity ensues. Um, oh, wow. And, and it's, yeah, Vader's in there. Crimson Dawn is in there. And this is what's leading into the Crimson Rain comics um, that are I mean, I, I think the, the run has started. I think the volume one of it comes out, uh, I was looking up today, like June 5th. So I'll catch up on that. But if you if you aren't into comics and you're looking for something to check out, that'd definitely be something. Um, and if you're looking for more Boba Fett and especially more that that uh, cool Western gunslinger Boba Fett, that's, that's where it's at right there. So there's some cool stuff in there. But... Uh, how are you reading it? Like, are you finding the comics in your local library? Are you doing them online? What's your perspective? Uh, con- both, con- actually. Consuming? I am using the public library's digital platform to to do oh, that. Okay. So I'm using it through the Libby app, and then that connects to, to Kindle. Oh, so interesting. I, I like reading it that way. One, because I can, like, take it to school and read on my phone while I'm walking down the hallway or whatever, <laughs> um, which is, is 100% what I do. Um, you have, you're a model for the children and we appreciate it. You have to ignore people somehow. <laughs> um, the, the reason I want to check that out is because I, 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 you know, this is not for sure, but I have a feeling that maybe this might be the only thing that we're going to get that furthers Kira's story. Yeah. Uh, so I, that's, like, such a that's the, one of the reasons I really want to check that out. If that's going to be the only thing that we get uh, on her from this point on, I, I would want to know just where she goes from there. But um, hopefully, hopefully she does show up at some point. I'm still holding out. I'm still holding out until it is blatantly said that it's not happening or something contradictory to it happens. I'm working with it's in the works. And this is all setting up that history that we'll get in in future seasons of Book of Boba Fett. But we'll have to we'll have to get to that in a minute. Drew, have you been other than Book of Boba Fett? Because that's cheating on an episode about Book of Boba Fett. Have you been Star Warsing anything? Um, let's see. I, I finished Fallen Star maybe a week or so ago. The day Midnight Horizon came out was the day I was able to finish Fallen Star finally. Um, that one took me a while to work through. Uh, I'm glad there are people who enjoy that book. Uh, that's and so the older book, Daniel Jose Older's book, the name I just said out loud, Midnight Horizon. That's what it was. Uh, started that working through that and it seems pretty good. I think this might be the first one of his that I've actually read. I'm not sure that I read any of the other um, Star Wars entries he's done. Do you guys remember off the top of your heads what other titles he's contributed? Last shot was his debut. Was Han Solo and Lando story. Yeah, right? um, that one. That one never made my list. It, no, it it doesn't make a lot of lists. Um, and then, uh, what is it? I mean, I'm looking. Wasn't there a com? I know he was doing the. the He's Higher doing Public the Star Adventures. Wars, the adventure comics, and then uh, race to race to Crash Point Tower. Um, yeah, 
That yeah. one was his other High Republic one. That one was a good one. That was a was fun good? story. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, and he's the, had other younger, little entries. That's the younger series, isn't it? Like the yeah. Test of Courage? Yeah. Uh, no, Test... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Test of Courage is the, the middle grade novels. Um, so Test of Courage and then Crash Point Tower. And then the one that's coming out with this run got delayed because of um, like printing issues. So apparently, the all the color printing, like in our our books, comes from China and can only be produced in China. This is from report, right? And so there's there's issues with that. So the audio book for it is out already, but the hard copy isn't out yet on that. Wait, the audio of what? I'm not. I'm, I must of the blinked. the middle grade novel that is coming out that came out with uh, Fallen Star and Midnight Horizon. You know they do the the adult novel, oh. the middle grade novel, and the YA. So apparently the the audiobook is available, but the actual like print copy of it, and huh. because of that, the the digital copy of the actual text itself is not available because of printing issues. Whereas like Fallen Star and Midnight Horizon, not having color pictures in them, has made it um, to where uh, they don't need that. Easy. So yeah, that makes better. I guess that makes better sense. I, I didn't even realize there was another one coming. I kind of thought Midnight Horizon was the end of the actual book texts for no. this particular cycle, but uh, I must have missed it. Also, I don't know if I'm the only one who didn't know it, but evidently Midnight Horizon takes place before Fallen Star. I don't know if that makes a difference to anybody, but I was kind of surprised by that. Like, this was, I think, the first time we've had an entry like this released out of chronological order, but over, like, I think the European edition was released before Fallen Star was released over there. So I'm really not sure, and maybe it's another one we can chalk up to global supply chain issues. But I was kind of surprised that they waited this long to do something like that. I, I know a lot of the other entries run, you know, kind of at similar timelines where the comics are running at one pace over here and the books are keeping up over here. But I, I this one flat out is a, a reverse in time, which I found very, very strange or finding strange since I'm in the midst of it right now. Yeah, that's weird because one thing I learned, what was it? Um, it had to be... Yeah, it had to be last set with Rising Storm. Um, I read the YA first, I think, and then mm. Fallen Star, or not Fallen Star, Rising Storm, and it really was not the oh, best wow. way to See, read it. Yeah, that's yeah. all backwards. It was, yeah, exactly. So, like, once I started reading Rising Storm, I was like, okay, you definitely need to read the adult novel first. So it seems like you, you read the adult novel, then the YA, and then the the junior novel or the middle grade novel and you know you get the big story with the main one you get a, a side story with the the ya and then you get kind of a even smaller story drew you were were into star wars novels at this at the time of uh new jedi order coming out right like you were yes my bread and butter what is the What's the feeling now versus the feeling then in like a long book series coming out kind of situation? Hmm, that's an interesting concept. I can really only speak from personal experience. There wasn't as I didn't have the opportunity to connect across uh, long distances with various people like we can do today. Um, it's a long way of saying the internet wasn't really a thing back in the day. But I think that having that one continuous storyline was really exciting, at least for me, especially the way they kind of kicked it off and made it so that nobody felt very safe. 
Like the characters were not going to be invincible or immortal. And so it it, it kind of upped the 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 tension a little bit better, which was really exciting. Uh, and it was not afraid to go in some really different directions. What I don't think uh, was a part of that as much as is a part of the High Republic is the theming of it all. Like I feel like when you read the High Republic novels or you look at the comic series and you look at the runs in a wide enough lens, if you can zoom out enough, you start to pick up the themes that they're really trying to drive home about, you know, identity issues and interpersonal relationships. I feel like the new Jedi order was a lot more slam bang action pack, which isn't a bad thing. It's just a different approach that, um, and that may just be me not have picking up on those things the first time around. Cause it's a whole lot more exciting to read about the millennium Falcon zipping in and out of enemy ships and whatnot. Uh, at that particular age. So I, I don't know if they're doing two different, two different approaches where we can see that project luminous has clear goalposts that they're hitting. They have, I, I feel like they have very clear thematic markers that they want to hit as well. Um, that, and the new Jedi order felt much more straightforward. We're just going to tell the sequence of events that happened. It's going to be a great story and that's going to be fun but it's not going to be quite as themed out. But, and again, like I said, it may be something that's there, just a little bit more subtextual than, than the higher public stuff. So I'm enjoying the approach that the higher public is taking. Although I'll be honest, the fallen star is kind of, it's going to be that vertex where things could go left or right. And I'm a little concerned about what happens next, not from like an inside the storytelling perspective, but from like, I really felt, and, and not to give anything away and what happens in the book, this was probably the entry that required you to pay attention to all the other stuff that's happening at the same time in order to fully understand what's happening. Um, I felt like because I'm not current on the comics, because I wasn't looking at all the different comic runs either, like there's the main line, then there's the adventures. If you're not seeing everything that's going on, there are some critical decisions made that do not make sense without that prior knowledge. Mm, that worries me then. I'm the same way. I haven't been keeping up with all the other, you know, High Republic. Yeah. And that was my, one of my fears at the beginning was, are we going to have to pay attention to a hundred percent of everything? Or are we going to be able to stick to our lanes and kind of follow the story regardless? Like, I, I really feel like that audiobook Tempest Runner, I haven't listened to it and I haven't read through it yet, but I feel like something happened there that made a really big difference to the way that this book played out. And I have no idea what it was. Like there's some, there's some major issues and, and I say issues not to say problems, but I, major things that the characters must handle and deal with and are reacting to that are not addressed and didn't happen in the other books. So I, I don't know quite where these things are coming from. That just really threw me off for a little bit. So I hope that's just a, a personal experience and not a corporate experience because if everybody feels this way, it does make me a little nervous for what happens next. But then again, we're also going to go back in time, what, another 150 years, I think, is what they said for Phase 2? Uh, yeah, I think that's a plan. So I hope they pick the Dren gear back up and make that more of a thing because I feel like that was kind of dealt with really quickly and that was kind of exciting. <laughs> it's all they gave Avar Chris to do after the first book was hunt Dren gear. It's like, okay, m more of that, I guess? Sure. Well, yeah, that's that's the interesting thing. Like, where are they going now that they're going backwards? Which is, like, it's a Star Wars thing to do, right? Like, tell the story and then go back in time and tell the story before sure. it that yeah. led to the story. So the jumping around doesn't bother me 
necessarily. Um, I mean, I don't want to say I'm worried because I, I don't think that's the appropriate uh, term to use, but I'm I'm very cautiously intrigued based on how <laughs> how uh, Fallen Star ended. Like that's it. It's a really interesting place to end this phase one and then go back in time so much. So I'm wondering specifically like what they are going to be getting into that's yeah so critical to set up whatever's coming after what we get in Fallen Star. So it'll be it'll be interesting. I think. For me, as far as like those things that happened that, you know, weren't really explained on on screen, if you will, in the book, mm-hmm. a lot of it for me was like there's mentions of, for example, you know, Avar doing stuff. And I'm like, OK, that's what's happening in the comics. I'll get that eventually. So I kind of was able to just like brush it aside of like I got the general idea, but I'm wondering if if maybe that's not the way that like it seems like that's not the way most people read it if they had a problem with said well, things well the, the 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 reason that kind of because you're right that kind of issue is what tripped a red flag for me is because we haven't been asked to do that in the other books yet like up until this point there hasn't been a whole lot of times like oh uh if you want to know the real story of what this actually means you need to go read issues 4 through 12 or whatever it is i don't feel like we've been pointed to those other materials yet within the context of the 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 book releases that we're reading this is kind of the first time and and i'm not i'm not a real big fan of that we'll see how it plays out and because if if what it refers to is only kind of within the context of the comics that were released right around the same time frame like if you had to read the weeks prior, like just the one week before this book was released in order to properly understand it, I'm not wild about that. I mean, in a day and age where we, we have trouble timing releases and things get pushed back, hinging the storytelling elements on a person's ability to play along at home on the exact same calendar as the writers and publishers months ahead makes me nervous. I'm going to be honest. I I have a bunch of them in audiobook, like I pre-ordered, ready to go. Um, the first book I, I that came out, I was like so confused because it was kind of hard to figure out who was who. So I kind of let it fall to the wayside. Like I didn't pick it up. And now you're saying that for this particular book, now it's all starting like you have to read this, you have to read that. And now I'm kind of like, ooh, do I really want to start something that I'm not sure I'm going to be able to dedicate my time to because if I have to read the comics and do this and do that, like that's a lot. It is a lot. And I, and I'm like, "Mm," now I'm hesitant to even try to go back and start that. So that's, that's another aspect too, for people who have yet to start it and maybe want to, you know what I mean? Well, this is all very, uh, to me, it's very relevant to what we will discuss later (laughs) in regards to (laughs) the book about that. Because I have some thoughts on those creative decisions in that show. <laughs> and that, boys and girls, is what we call a segue. So we will take a quick break. And when we come back, we will be talking Book of Boba Fett. And we will be full spoilers. So if you have not watched it, pause this, go watch all seven episodes, then immediately come back and listen to the rest of our show. It's kind of like, you know, the High Republic.
I don't negotiate with gutless murderers. And that's not the quackter calling the stiffling slimy. Alright guys, it's time to get into Book of Boba Fett and talk about this really interesting show um we've we've covered the episodes here uh you know drew and i've talked about a couple of things sith talk of course covered you know almost episode by episode but after the season kind of wrapped our text conversation became very interesting because we were all over the place on uh how we felt about about the show and so we thought you know what let's get let's get a group of us on here let's talk about it and uh and see you know what what we come up with what the consensus is if we can come to one here on the show so i want to start out just going around and just in a quick like sentence or two um have everybody share like what was your level of excitement before the show and without going into to a lot of detail what's your general feeling after the show so mark i'm gonna let you take that one first and uh tell us like the before and after of book of boba fett uh well anytime there's new star wars on the horizon i have like a baseline excitement level that no matter what the star wars is about if it's star wars there's just a set standard of excitement that i have just out of the gate that's just a given so I had that, but as, for, as far as my feelings about Boba Fett in general, I didn't really care about Boba Fett, and not that I dislike Boba Fett, I just, there wasn't enough of Boba Fett to care about, in my opinion, <laughs> but a lot of people do, and that's, that's fine. I, I just never found the character to be anything more than just a cool, you know, set of armor. And, and, uh, so anyway, so that's, that was kind of my going into it, but I was hopeful because not having a lot of attachment to the character, I felt like this is an opportunity for them to show me why the character is so cool and to make me fall in love with the character. So hopefully I was, I was thinking, hopefully at the end of this, I will be like fully on board with Boba Fett. Um, and in a nutshell, uh, nothing changed. (laughs) Oh, Oh man. Uh, yeah, just I, I, my, I, I really am pretty ambivalent still about the character. Um, I, you know, I can elaborate, but I think you wanted us to keep this short. So, <laughs> yeah, we're going to we're going to definitely elaborate a lot on a lot of things here. So, Adriana, for you, what was your level of excitement before uh, before watching the show? And then and how are you feeling after Book of Boba Fett is closed? I. I'm going to be honest, like, I was just like, who asked for this? Certainly not me. <laughs> um, I I was, I, I did not care about Boba Fett. Um, I did not, I don't, I didn't understand the hype around him, considering, you know, he was just like a minor character <laughs> um, in the original trilogy, like... Yeah, no, not not interested at all whatsoever. But I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm, it's Star Wars. I'm gonna watch it. Am I gonna like it? Probably not. Was my my I guess level where I was at at the beginning. Um, that being said, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a fun time watching it. Um, and obviously, we'll elaborate. And, you know, go into that more. I do think there was some issues uh, 
And I definitely think it wasn't, like, the best Star Wars thing ever. Um, definitely not the worst. Uh, <laughs> but I, I had a fun time, is, is where I'll leave it. <laughs> okay. All right. And, Drew, you are where with Book of Boba Fett? I was as excited for this as I was excited for Rogue One when that came out. And I think I like it as much as I like Rogue One, which is to say a lot. Yeah. I think it was awesome. Perfect? No. But that's okay. It's not the standard. I think it was awesome. And I don't think we'll get more. I think that's kind of it. I think it's a one and done. And I like that. It's got great bookends. And we can talk about it later. But I'm a, a big fan and proponent of the show. Okay. I am kind of a mix of everybody here. I simultaneously didn't really care about Boba Fett one way or the other, uh, starting, you know, the series. Uh, but then, you know, the idea of bringing Tamara Morrison back and him getting to play Boba Fett and then everything we got in Mando. I was like, all right, cool. I'm on board. I want more of this character. Uh, and, you know, like Mark said, it's new Star Wars. There's a general excitement that's happening, uh, regardless of what it's about. And then afterwards, I'm 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 pretty close to Drew. It, I really really liked this show, yes. and um, I hope you know everybody who's listened to the show for for a while knows how painful it is for me to agree with Drew. <laughs> <laughs> like he likes Ronan, guys. It's hard for me to agree with whoa, him. Whoa. And he like dis- is not like is not the appropriate word. I love and adore that book. Well, point made. But um, so kind of looking back at this season, I kind of noticed that there were really like three uh, or. or four really uh, major phases that were going on. You had the the beginning, the first three episodes were kind of the Tuscan flashback format. Then you had a, a couple episodes of gathering the team and Luke and Mando and Grogu and all of that stuff. And then you had the finale. Um, and it was kind of its own, you know, bringing everything together. So let's start with the the Tuscan flashback and, and everything that was happening there. Uh, Adriana, how did you feel about that kind of jumping between timelines that they gave us for the first three episodes um the tuscan stuff i i really liked um and and i didn't mind the jumping back and forth um my my biggest it if i had to say something that i really didn't like about it it was the fact that they gave us i think just a little bit too much like they showed us getting his armor back getting his ship back and i'm like we already know he we we already know he got those back like we don't need to spend time on this um but the tuscan stuff was really cool and very interesting and i always like um you know I, i like how they're making the tuscans um i guess for the i don't know if it's the for the right way to say that but more uh, empathetic, I guess, or more human. I don't, I don't like saying more human, but you know what I mean. They like, are no, they're they're humanizing for yeah, sure. Yeah, which I I really like um, because I know that was that was a, I guess you know looking back and you know now we understand like things that are appropriate and not appropriate. You know, um, I I I really like that, and I really do like how they're giving them um, this opportunity to be more than just what they were originally presented as. Um, and I, and and it did make me, um, 
actually care about uh, Boba Fett because, you know, I, I did not care about him, you know. And then to see that he, what he went through, the struggle that he went through how to, you know, to get out and then how, like, he gets captured by them, but then he ends up, like, helping them and they end up in a, in a sense, like a family, which is, you know, found family, and then, you know, how he lost him and stuff. It, it really did give me, like, oh, okay, maybe I get it. I care about you now. You're more than just mm. this side side character, I guess. is Yeah, it yeah. kind of simultaneously, like, humanizes Boba because we get to spend so much time with him outside of his armor, you yeah. know, and he's stripped of that, that identity. Like, I mean, literally, like, coming out of the Sarlacc pit. It's interesting because he comes out of the Sarlacc pit, right? It's like a rebirth, you know, and what I found really interesting is you have that hand pop up. Like it's almost like a zombie movie where, (laughs) you know, it just comes out of the grave. And so it's this, it's still this like character. Like, it's not like a, a, he's reborn to be somebody completely new. And all of a sudden he's, you know, golden boy, Boba Fett. He still got that little, that darker element to him, but the Tuscans also have that. And that doesn't, that's not to say it's necessarily a bad thing. It's just when you would live a life where you just have to fight to survive, you know, and you're, you know, you're digging for these black melons and things like that. Like they're not living an easy life. So they're going to have a darker, side to them and it's almost like they teach boba how to utilize that in i guess a healthy way rather than you know just going out and running rush shot on the on the galaxy so mark how did you feel about the tuscan flashbacks in general well as um as a narrative tool to have the flashbacks occur you know, when he's in the back to tank was, you know, it was okay. I was like, oh, so this is how they're going to handle flashbacks. And for me, I was able to follow the story and keep up with where he was at any given time because I understood the flashback. Now, someone like my husband, Steve, who doesn't watch a lot of Star Wars like I do or like we do, um, and who's watching it, he would frequently get lost as far as where in the timeline they were. Oh, he would, interesting. He would sometimes think that the things happening with the Tuscans was concurrent with his story taking place in Mos Eisley, I mean, uh, Mos Espa. And I had to keep telling him, no, that's, remember when the screen goes green, that's a flashback. Because <laughs> it always felt <laughs> like that, that, that weird greenish hue and then it would correct itself and you'd be in the, in the past. Um, as far as like involving an extended story about the Tuscans, the first episode, I I found it a little underwhelming, and I think one of the reasons why I was not fully invested in the Tuscan story was because I felt like they were just trying to, like Adriana said, they were just trying to fill in the blanks to to tell you, oh, he got out of the Sarlacc pit. Well, this is what he was doing when he got out of the Sarlacc pit. So this is why he doesn't show up in the Mandalorian until many years later without his armor. This is why. And I felt like it was a means to an end and it wasn't a story in and of itself. And so I was feeling very impatient as I was watching it. Like, okay, like, but then the second episode happens and it's like, 
it really goes into the Tuscan culture. And then I was mm. so invested. I, I was just, that second episode just turned me around so much. Um, and then there was not much after that. So, uh, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah, that's no. that's one of my issues with, with the series. Is, uh, no, no, no. I mean, not, when I say not much, I mean, this Tuscan story just ends abruptly. And I have issues yeah. with how that, how that happened. Because I was not ready to give up that. Back, the, like, keep going with that backstory or bring them into the current story. I just have issues with the way they were handled in... I mean, you know what the term fridging means, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They, the Tuscans were fridged, essentially. Mm, I don't know if I agree with that, but okay, keep going. Um, but that, I, I guess that's, that's why I have very mixed feelings about the series is because it would do something really cool that would totally bring me in, and then it would do something that I just thought, mm, no, that's not as interesting as where I thought it was going. See, and... With with the Tuscans, I felt like it was it was almost too drawn out. Like I, the second episode, uh, Tribes of Tatooine, like having that be centrally focused on the Tuscans works because you're doing more intriguing things with them. You've you've got the action elements. You have the the bonding that's happening. That's when the family really comes together. The first episode. I felt like, okay, there's a lot of just walking through the sand here. And I, I get that we need to show how bad things are for Boba Fett, but there's just a lot of walking through the sand. And then looking at the season as a whole, when you get the finale, I feel like, okay, now all this time with the Tuscans feels even more drawn out because all you get in the finale is him using the gaffy stick, which works and it says something about his time there but did we need almost like 60 to 90 minutes of this you know basically we had five episodes of book of boba fett and a couple episodes of mandalorian so out of these five episodes you spent an entire episode you know with the tuscans and then the only way they really play in at the end is with you know the gaffy stick and yet you murdered or you had murdered uh you know this entire set of indigenous people which i think if we can separate the 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 fridging of of this group of you know indigenous people and the the narratives that it spoke to there and all of those things that are really important and look at the story itself separately. I think the manipulation of the Pikes being the ones having them killed and, and how that plays into the finale and Cad Bane trying to manipulate Boba is intriguing. I don't know if it was executed to the best level that it could have been, but it definitely was a nice element to have. But I don't think the payoff that we got at the end met with the amount of time that we spent with them at the beginning. It, it takes a larger a larger view of it to really kind of piece it all together for me um, because I feel like those first two episodes are required in order to understand Bo- Fett's motivation for the rest of his actions. He, like Brandon, like you had said, he is reborn into this second life on Tatooine after he should have died and has and was left for dead, and he has this choice about who he's going to be. And the Tuscan adoption really 
shows him the value of a tribe and of a family that he had never had before. That's why we kept getting those flashbacks of Django leaving him on Camino out to go to go out on jobs, presumably. So he had always grown up as a kid by himself. He never had anybody like him, even though he grew up surrounded by carbon copies. So out of a sea of faces, they all look the same. They all look like him, but he doesn't belong to that at all. So he has no one to really call of his own tribe. And he lived his entire life that way. You know, he's always been known as like the most fearsome bounty hunter in the entire galaxy. And, you know, the one little bit we get of him is, is Vader hiring him to hunt down the Millennium Falcon. So he works on his own. Obviously, we see him in a group of other bounty hunters, but then we see him in a ship by himself doing the job most successfully. So he makes his living being on his own, but that's challenged when he sees that he cannot survive in the sands on his own. He needs to have the support of that group that does take the time to take him in. After the, I, I don't know, they initially have him, you know, imprisoned uh, to keep him for feeding their banthas or something. I don't know. I'm not really sure what that was about. But anyway, that's not really important. He becomes a part of the tribe. And when that is taken away, it triggers something in him that he has never had to like lose something like that before. And so I think that loss is important. I'm not sure reducing it to the fridging trope is really appropriate because it doesn't necessarily... If it, if it was a simple trope, if it was a simple kind of like, we're going to do this to make him do something cool the show would have ended with him taking out the Nikto gang. Like it would have been about revenge and that would have been it, but that's not what the show is about. The show is about him understanding the value of a community and of a family and of a tribe and wanting that for other people. Like he wants to take the organization that Jabba had kind of developed and allowed to suffer under his own weight and, and take it and do something positive with it because he himself Fett, sees the value in that like survival is one thing but flourishing is another and one can be done by yourself but the other one cannot and so that i think is the point of the show is he wants to bring the people of mos espa into a community a real community that has the opportunity to not just survive but to really thrive in the sands there so that's why i i think those first two episodes it's funny mark says i want more there's just not enough and brandon says this is way too much. Why are we spending two hours here? <laughs> but like happily in the middle there is, I think not the motivation for what he, for his actions, but a change in his character. And he's no longer interested in being this, this hunter who lives by himself on a ship in the galaxy, but he has a home. He finds a spot where he can live. And then when the pikes come and threaten that, that's his chance to fight back for the people that he can defend when he was not able to defend the Tuscan tribe that saved him. Well, see, I think the reason why Brandon and I both said seemingly opposite things, but we really didn't. We said we, we each were unsatisfied with how the Tuscans were left and that Brandon, when he saw that they weren't, it, you know, to on the surface of just watching the show without all the subtext, that you have like really done a great job of explaining and, and, and truly you made some great points but none of that is really expressed through Boba Fett as a character making those observations it's kind of in the subtext of the series and it's mm -hmm. great if you can look at it and kind of pull and glean that out of the story 
But what I think that Brandon and I were reacting to is that you don't have that moment where Boba Fett actually says something to the effect of what you just eloquently stated. And I think that's the reason why we kind of came away with that, you know, their story could have been so much more, it should have been in the front of the series, not in the back of his backstory. Does that make sense? If it's, it, like you said, Mark, it either needs to be all the way in the front where that's the, what the series is about, or on the other side, if you are going to have it in the background, push it to the background where you're not taking as much time with it. You get the main points across, so then you can spend time with the people he is building a tribe with, and you can get to know them more. You get to know Chrysanthemum more. You get to know the mods more. You get, like, you have more time with the huts. Like, there's... I got frustrated with the Tuscans, not because I didn't think the Tuscan storyline was fantastic, not because I disliked anything that they did with the Huts, or excuse me, the Tuscans, other than than the slaughter of them. And and I, part of me also kind of like I'm a mixed bag on that because I see the problems with it in our world, and I also love what it did in the story, which is a very contradictory statement and. <laughs> I'm still kind of wrapping my head around. So Brandon is for mass genocide. Got it. Got it. No, I I like the shock of it and how and you know <laughs> Drew the the things that you pointed out about the impact that it has on him. But and this is something that Lindsay ha- has brought up and and they discussed over on Sith Talk. You get to the end and you have the mods and you have these people from uh, Mos Pelgo. It's Freetown now, right? Um, <laughs> And and you just don't care about them. So ultimately, the way I feel about this this story is, I had a fun time watching it. The problems that were that I'm seeing, that I'm hearing, is in the execution. So had we like, why did this show have to only be seven episodes? And why were two of those episodes? If you're calling it the Book of Boba Fett, why were two of those episodes not? Like, like, okay, Boba Fett was in episode six for, like, a hot second. But is that, like, why are you taking away from the book of Boba Fett for that? And I think that... And I feel like this should have been, like, this is one of those rare cases where you needed a 10, 12, maybe 14 episode season where you have an episode. If you're, like, I think part of what they were doing with having two basically episodes of The Mandalorian, one is setting up the story for season three for the fans like us who want to see how him and Grogu got back together. Whereas I think a lot of the general audience is just going to, if you you show up and Grogu's not there, they're like, well, why am I even watching this anymore? Um, Which I think is not a good approach to take to it. But I think, you know, that others aren't as invested in this is as we are. Right. And we wanted more of that time with that lore. I think that they're also kind of helping build that Mando verse, um, you know, that everybody talks yeah. about there, and so I'm fine with that. Again, but- <laughs> like you know how I feel about this. I feel like if that's the case, then it shouldn't have been called the Book of Boba Fett. It should have been. Again, I'm going to say this, and you know how I feel about this. Uh, Mandalorian 
colon boba's interlude <laughs> like well and <laughs> but it, but but i think you could still have it be the book of boba fett because i think part of what they tried to do here and i think this is maybe one of the places where they stumbled is they tried to maintain a bit of mystery for yeah. boba when he's in the armor so he's always a little standoffish to the audience the the tuscan uh, Boba Fett is a little more uh, human, for lack of a better term. Whereas having him be off to the side, and Fennec does a lot of the narrating of what's happening and things like that, I, I think they were trying to do that, but they didn't enhance the other characters enough to make it feel like the ensemble show I think they wanted it to feel like. If we had 14 episodes and we had uh, an episode with Chris Santin and, and we even did flashbacks of Boba and Chris Santin working together and if we got more with the mods and if we got more with Mos Pelgo and you can still call it the book of Boba Fett, you can still have Boba Fett weaving in and out of these stories but you develop these other people more where you have this cast of characters all led by Boba Fett, all invested in Boba Fett, and we're invested in the relationships that he has with those characters, then you have a more dynamic story. And that, I think, is where they fell short more than anything. I don't think necessarily what they did with any of the characters was bad. I don't think they went in bad directions with any of the characters. And I don't think in the macro that any of the decisions necessarily were a major detriment to the show being good and being fun and being enjoyable i think it could have been better though if you took the elements that people wanted more of and give them more of it like you you are honestly telling me you didn't know that like people were going to want more of chrysanthemum you're honestly telling me you didn't know that you needed to develop the mods more like i for I want y'all to take on this. I for one love the mods. I think it's freaking cool. I think it's ridiculous, and Star Wars needs to be ridiculous sometimes. And having these bright colored speeders just driving through the the streets of Mos Espa is fantastic. I don't actively like. Uh, um, I I think I I don't mind them, but I think that's because, like you said. We should have gotten. We could. We definitely would have benefited from having more of them. Uh, but I just thought they were. I thought it was. It was uh, like fun too. Like it. It's obviously it's Star Wars. Uh, like the fact that they haven't been seen until now is kind of weird. Considering, well, I mean, obviously, like I guess Anakin and and Luke are mods technically. With their, technically, yeah. Yeah. General Grievous so, is the king of mods. <laughs> Yeah, so so I mean it's I think it's something that is not surprising to see in the universe. Um you know I didn't have an issue with them being in Star Wars because I you're right, they're they're ridiculous in that very Star Wars way that works in Star <laughs> Wars. It just didn't work in the book of Boba Fett. For me, they didn't feel like they fit into that world. Um, not that, I mean, when I say that world, I mean specifically the world of the, the story, un, the underworld of Tatooine. That's not where I saw them. I saw them as being either from Coruscant or, you know, just 
not Tatooine. I mean, why? Why wouldn't that fit in there, though? I mean, it's the it's the tattoo culture that we enjoy here on Earth. It's the same thing. Because That's what they're supposed to represent. Because Tatooine represents the Wild West. And tell me where in Westerns you have those kinds of characters. Okay, excuse me, sir. Did you not see the film Wild Wild West with Will Smith? <laughs> it is a, it's a Western. And the bad guy, Kenneth Rana's character, I can't remember his character's name, I know it's Kenneth Rana, but he was a mod. He had no legs. He had spider legs. Like, and you're telling, and I'm sorry, yeah. but I absolutely love that movie. It's hella fun. And uh, so. I didn't know where this was turning into Wild Wild West song. I, I'm here for it, though. Continue. But, I love but it. no, I'm. I. 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 I, the fact that you say that, Mark, shame on you. No, look. <laughs> Ironically, I actually agree with you about Wild Wild, Wild West. I actually like the steampunky elements of it. That was one of the things that I thought was rather visually uh, ambitious about it. I was like, this is not what I expected. But that that okay. So there's all kinds of different. There's like <laughs> cyberpunk. There's steampunk. There's there's all kinds of different punks. Like there's like they, it, it has to do with like the melding of technology with a certain sensibility, and it's not that they if they were steampunky kids on Tatooine, I would be all for it. I'd be like the modding part of it is not the part that I had an issue with. It just felt like they walked in from a different genre. And Star Wars is usually so good at being that blender where you throw in different genres and it could be noir, it could be a Western, it could be samurais, it could be, you know, many different things. This just didn't feel like you said earlier, Adriana, it didn't feel like it was executed properly. It's the same universe where Anakin builds a pod racer out of spare parts. I mean, the <laughs> stuff is there. Like, there's Jawas can find junk that makes starships fly. They were fine in Star Wars, but they, to me, like every time they would show up on screen, I would think, well, now it's a Robert Zemeckis movie. I, like, I just, it oh, just, wow. Like, it just Ouch. felt like, felt like Back <laughs> to the Future 2. Not that there's anything wrong with Back to the Future 2, and it's not that there's anything wrong with having that kind of silliness in Star Wars. It just didn't feel like it was it was just a perfect fit for this story. Okay, let's let's move on to something that I th- I think I'm gonna backtrack a little bit on what I said earlier about there not being anything in here that didn't need to be in here. The twins. I I just I I don't why. Like they came in and they're the big threat, and then they're like. Actually, we're not. See you later. You were the only person who ever thought they were the big threat. Okay. No, I thought there was a bigger (laughs) threat coming behind them being Crimson Dawn, which I still hold. What I did not think is that the big threat of the season was going to be the Pikes, because in all of the other canon that we have, 
at least as far as I have interpreted it, the Huts are a much bigger threat than the Pikes. Especially in this point in the timeline. Maybe during the Clone Wars era, you can make an argument that they're equals. I don't think that, you know, what we see in Season 7 of Clone Wars backs that up. They've always been kind of mustache-twirling fools. The Huts have been scary and dangerous and have the long game. But it's it's more that they came in at Episode 2, and then Episode 3, they were like, actually... We changed our mind. We're really sorry. Uh, well, here's a rancor, the- which love the rancor. <laughs> oh, what's we'll get to the rancor. Okay, what's <laughs> to say that this is not like a not a setup for something in the future? Fair, fair assessment. Um, I was just happy to see huts and lions. I, I, like, I, I was think just thrilled to see them. I think it was important to have them because, like, all of us, uh, well, I don't know about you guys, but me, I'm like, okay, well, obviously Jabba died, and then, you know, we had his successor. Um, Are we, like, that's it? The Huts are just, let him die? Let him Mm -hmm. go? Like, there's not any more? Like, I think that's really why, for me, it felt like they were included, kind of just to, to make sure that the audience knows that the Huts are still around. They're not a part of this story, but, you know, maybe it's a setup for a, a storyline in the future in something else. Not yeah, necessarily a, a season, uh, not necessarily a season two of Book of Boba Fett, but maybe even in The Mandalorian. Who knows? We don't know. We know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, Rancor, what you got? Go for it. I want to hear your opinions. Oh, God. Oh, I... I'm nervous. There just wasn't enough. There wasn't enough rancor. <laughs> now, now, come on. You bring you bring this rancor into the story, and he's delivered by Danny freaking Trejo. Oh, and man. it's like, why? Like, you, it's just, what was it feels like it was, there? it feels like it was setting up this great B plot or whatever of this, like, I don't know. It, it's just, it was like showing the rancor in the palace, but it's the, like the total opposite situation for, with the previous rancor. Like the previous rancor was just was abused. Like you know, we it, he he had his handler who loved him, but we we can all admit that that poor rancor was not treated well. And <laughs> this was an opportunity to to show. I don't know. It just felt like it was just a missed opportunity to add something to the story. And plus, I just love Rancors, and and I just didn't get enough of the Rancor. But it was a, a great addition to the story. I mean, it was. Uh, I, I'm struggling here because I feel like everything that they included in this show was included for a reason. Like yeah, they added the, the Rancor delivery, although except for Danny Trejo, no idea what he was doing in this show. He must have had nothing else to do that day. was completely bored and had 10 minutes to spare. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing in this show. But every in the episode he the, the Rancor is delivered, it shows up in every time that Boba Fett's in in the show too. Like he he the Fett works with him and the trainer to try and build a relationship with because he knows the value of the relationships. He uses the Rancor to threaten the crime bosses in the area and scares them half to death, which reminds them of the power that Jabba had. So there's an implicit connection between the threat that Jabba had to what Boba Fett can have over them, even though he's telling them he wants to work together and and wants to consider them partners. And then, I mean, as soon as Fett says, 
I'll be right back at the last episode. I was like, oh, I know exactly where he's going. And my kids did exactly what the, the audience should be doing. Where's he going? Who's left? <laughs> like, who's he going to go? Like, who's, what's, what's, D- Din literally says, you're out of friends. And I was like, ah, 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 there is one left. He's taking a nap. And of course he comes in the way he does because it was set up when Fett says, I want to learn to ride this one. Everything that happens and is set up and done and spent time with in the show points to something else. It's like the world's longest game of Chekhov's gun. Like and that's exactly what I was going to say. It's all, that's all it is. But it's so effective and efficient when it's done like this because everything connects to somewhere else. Like he has the fight with the mods and he wants to go in and solve it, and he solves it with respect, and he gains them as allies, they show up to help him later on, and it looks like he's employing them to save Cobb Vanth's life. So there's a connection between that. There's a connection between the people of Freetown, who, you know, he sends Din to go talk to Cobb Vanth, but he gives them a choice to join or not, and they they make the decision after they see the alternative, so they see that Fett is different with this, the, the freedom to choose their own destiny. Do you want to just get run over by the pikes or are you going to stand up and fight with me? And they come in at the end too. It's like, like this is how a Western movie works. And like you think about novels written in like the 1800s, like the way, oh geez, I had it in my brain when we started this conversation. Like even something like Uncle Tom's Cabin, all of these things connect at the very end of the story. You know, Dickens wrote this way. Where, where things point, not that this is written, this is not a Charles Dickens level <laughs> story. We're not going to read about this in ninth grade English classes, trust me. But, but Unless it's, it's a, my ninth grade English class. <laughs> fair point, <laughs> fair point. But like that's my, the idea there is the connectivity between, you guys are talking about it like it was at the same time 25 hours long, but also 25 minutes long. Like <laughs> it's seven episodes and they're each under an hour. It's such an efficient use of time. If you're wanting more of this, I feel like that's a positive, not a negative. I don't disagree with that. It's a positive in a statement for what they created, but it it, it is a negative because of the potential that was so clearly set up in certain things that wasn't delivered on. Maybe we knew we were getting like another season where they could, you know, make that rancor like... Um, Mark wanted into like a like a a subplot, you know. Okay, all right, I got it. I definitely want more, and I know we're gonna get it. But if it's a one and done, yes, I want it. I want more. Am I going to get it? Am I gonna be left unsatisfied? And this is just something I'm I'm pointing out from what you said. I just no, and I'm fine with that because I think the story does such a good job of tying the beginnings and all the stuff that it starts it ends all of those particular stories and, and explains why they are there. And also, like when Mando season one ended, we got the announcement of season two, like the day of the finale. Same thing with season two, we got the announcement that Book of Boba Fett was coming. When Bad Batch season one ended, the day the finale premiered, they announced season two. We didn't get anything like that for this. Yeah. I think that's, and that's okay. I think that's good. Like the freedom to say, here is the totality of the story we wanted to tell is so strong and such a positive thing. Like when 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 stories are allowed to drag out long past their intended storytelling devices, you get lost in the se- in the third and fourth seasons. Like this, this the TV shows just drag on and nothing happens because that wasn't the intention when they started this. They had a goal, they hit it, that people wanted more, and but the story is done, and so now we've got to scramble to come up with something else. 
these must, seven episodes tell a story. Are you talking about Supernatural? <laughs> I think he's talking about the X-Files. I'm just oh, then, you, uh, listen. the fact that you guys can both independently come up with different examples that demonstrate what I'm talking about should tell you why it's important that seven episodes is good and done and that's okay for storytelling purposes. Hey, no, it happened I, to my favorite show, The West Wing. When Aaron Sorkin left at the end of season four, they didn't know what they were doing, but doggone, they were not going to cancel that show for another three years. But once they knew what the end of the show was going to be, they could write it out and they could tell a story that made sense. When things are just spinning on and on and on and on for nothing... I mean, that's that's not a, a TV show drama. That's a sitcom. That's Friends. That's The Simpsons. That's I Love Lucy. But it's not Star Wars. I don't disagree with with you there. I I think, well, one, I, I don't. I still have this inkling that we're gonna get something more with Book of Boba Fett. Just the the little moments in, in the finale just make me think like. Mm, th- there's got to yeah. be more, which is it's also there's an interesting thing with Star Wars where you want everything, but also having everything is less satisfying. Like, yeah, absolutely. Part of why I love Solo so much and why I want more of Solo is because I don't have more of Solo. Part of why I love Ben's. Well, Ben Solo. I'm just a Solo stan. Part of the reason why I love Ben Solo so much is because we don't have a lot of Ben Solo. So I'm intrigued by that mystery and I'm driven by that mystery. So I agree with all of that. Like, if they're telling this tight story and this is what it is, cool. But also, at the same time, because they can exist in the same space, I want more of it. And I wanted more of this season. Uh, Not in a more of it because it didn't meet my expectations or it let me down, but more of it in, I feel like it could have been more powerful because I already like these characters. And if you give me an hour with the mods, if you give me an hour with Grisanton, then I'm going to love them even more. Ergo, the finale becomes better. See, my issue was that I didn't love the characters. I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel a connection to the characters and see everything you said, Drew was absolutely true. I agree with a hundred percent. Like I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely true. You can have seven episodes and not need a, a season two. But the thing that like, it goes back to what Lindsay said, like she and I had a similar reaction to the show. We just didn't get invested in the characters. We just didn't care about a lot of the characters. And I couldn't, it's not that I didn't, like I went into it cynical or jaded or had my walls up. I went in it with like a clean slate because I had no preconceived ideas about Boba Fett. I didn't have baggage I was bringing with, with me as a hardcore fan or lover of, of all things Boba Fett. So I was just coming in as like, okay, let's, let's see what this is about. And I just never got, the only times I got hooked in were the second episode with the Tuscans where I thought, okay, we're going somewhere with the Tuscans that Star Wars has never gone before, and I'm ready for it. Let's do it. This is great. Tuscans all the way. That doesn't <laughs> happen. And the second moment it happened when, was when Mando shows up, and suddenly it's a different show, and I'm like, what is going on here? This is like, what? It's like they switched shows on us, and I was excited by the possibilities of it, but at the end of the series, I look back on it and go, 
what the hell were they doing? <laughs> what was all that with bringing Mando in? Like I was conflicted about it. And I still didn't have a, an emotional investment or connection to the characters established in Boba Fett's story. I had a connection to the Mandalorian's characters. Pelimanto shows up and I'm like, love her, girl. Like, you're, a, you're, a, <laughs> you're awesome. I love Solo. I absolutely love Solo. And I liked it because it was a self-contained story. And I absolutely want more. And I think I would absolutely want more of Boba Fett if it was a self-contained story. If we get a self-contained story without Mando, without, like, Grogu, with just Mando. Or, sorry, with just Boba Fett. Like, it's a self-contained, like, story where we don't get any, like any other like we don't get Luke we don't get anything like that it's just something that happens on Tatooine it takes place like there there's nothing going it's just them does that does that make sense does that makes perfect sense I I agree that that detour there is is hard and yeah it really changed the tenor of the show the show and it's it's kind of wild and I'm it hurt (laughs) yeah like and well, it, 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 it kind of robs us from the opportunity to get to know these yeah. other characters. Yeah, I, 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 I hard agree. agree. And I think, too, um, Bryce Dallas Howard, absolutely love her. Her her directing is very, very different mm-hmm. from that of Robert Rodriguez. Um, yeah. not, to, not to say that you can't have all these shows directed by different... Obviously, it works. You know, we got that with The Mandalorian. But I think... Because be, I, I'm just not. It didn't. It didn't work in this case. I don't think. I actually really like Robert Rodriguez' directing style. I know. I I feel like Zach. After listening to Sith, Sith talk, he's like not a Robert Rodriguez fan, which is fair, which is fine. Um, I love Robert Rodriguez films. Um, <laughs> and so to me, I never had an issue with the actual directing of it, but because. Uh, you know, maybe if we were in, the, maybe if we went with Din to wherever he went, where Luke is building his school, um, but it was a Robert Rodriguez directed like episode, Ooh, it wouldn't wow. have been so stilted, I don't, or, or like different. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. I don't know. It is. It was a very abrupt change to the show. Um, when the when we spend an entire episode with with Din and and crew. Um, it's gr- it's a great hour. It's so absolutely, absolutely, so good. Right, Mandalorian season three. It would have yes, there. absolutely, absolutely. No one listen. Bryce Dallas Howard needs her own Star Wars thing. Her just her for her, like her own <laughs> yes. trilogy, her own show. I don't care what it is. Give it to her. Give it to her. She understands the assignment. <laughs> um, it's very good. I, I wonder if like. Because it's really hard to separate out like what the alternative would have been if not to include that. Like it was so good to have Mando come back, but to have him come back without addressing all those open questions would have been very, I think, more awkward. Although the way in which they answered all those questions from the end of season two, Mandalorian, is was also really awkward as well. Yeah. That was that's such a hard needle to thread. The way they ended season two. Um, imagine if like season three of Mandalorian opened up and you don't even see Grogu the entire episode, like people would cancel their Disney plus subscriptions. That would be the end of the show. So I can kind of see it like as a necessary bridge between the two shows. And really 
it, it's it seems to me like the Star Wars shows on Disney Plus are following the Marvel Cinematic Universe formula where everything flows from one to the other and we have these brief interludes where we follow characters who the movie's not about, but these guys happen to be in. Like, if you think about Captain America Civil War, how much time we spend with Black Panther, you know, and that effectively sets up his film. If you think about WandaVision, you go one, two episodes going the heck is this show? I don't understand. And it's the third episode where they spend the entire hour away from that cast entirely with completely different characters in order to fill you in to know what's coming up. I wonder if some of that creative philosophy is bleeding over and that's kind of the approach they were taking to say, oh, this was the, the appropriate model and how we do a long-form storytelling. And if it is, I think we can make some assessments about what's coming next. Like, whatever mm, it's hard because the next show we get is Kenobi. And if the, they're trying to follow that philosophy, mm. it should flow out of what we learn in Boba Fett. So it's not unreasonable. We're going to be spending some time in Moss Pelgo or something. I don't know. It's kind of a strange thing that they've thrown in here. It's a very strange wrench that they've thrown into the engine by having Mando come back so prominently in his, in those particular episodes. But it's so good to have him back. Yeah, can I, mean, I it, it, the, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, can I, uh, I know what Lindsay and I know how Lindsay feels about this, the storyline with, with Mando and how it, she, she doesn't agree with it. Um, <laughs> I just want to say, I disagree. I don't think it ruins his storyline from the end of nice. season two. Why and do you I will that? tell, I will tell you why, because, um, his his he is basically a bounty hunter and he goes he does his job he really is not he comes across as like if he lives or dies it doesn't really matter he's he, this is his job it's what he does like it feels like he has like no purpose in life right he meets the baby he adopts the baby <laughs> well you know what i mean but he go grogu and he he like he, I feel like he he has something to live for now. Like he he had he took off his helmet for him. Mm. Okay, so they have this huge relationship, and and it's it's one of those things where this is my person, and it's just and 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 like again going back, these things don't have to be romantic, but Din has found his person, um, or his his baby, <laughs> his his uh. His Grogu. And <laughs> I and it. I just, I I think we, sh- we know, like, if he really did not learn and did not respect and did not grow from his time and, and did not, like, you know, respect what he needed to do for Grogu, then when he went to the planet and when he... What, and when Ahsoka was like, eh, you really shouldn't see him, he would have he would have been like, no, I'm going to see him, you know, and he didn't. He took a step back um, and he did. He he took that step back and he's like, OK, but I still want him to have this because he cares about him and he wants him to be safe. Um, and the choice ultimately. Was never his. It was un- it was Grogu. Grogu made that choice to go back to him. 
So, so I think, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's so many people who could put this more eloquently than I do, but I don't think it ruined Din, Din's character because we saw, we saw that he was like, okay, I love him and, and I want to see him grow and I want to protect him. So I guess I have to, to, I guess I have to step away. I guess I can't see him. And so we see that. And then, you know, like I said, Grogu is the one who makes that choice. And Grogu is the one who chooses to go back to Din. So how can Din not have character growth when that choice is never his? It, it's not his anymore at this point to make, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think I think the, the only issue I have with it uh, is... And it kind of come, goes to expectations. I expected it to be a lot more drawn out, and it just kind of gets given pretty quickly um, in here. But, n- I mean, I can't say I was unsatisfied with it. Like, I enjoyed everything they did with it. And, I mean, I, if I'm I, really being honest, I didn't really want to, like... Look at... No, but how... Okay, we all know who is making this. This is a Disney property, right? This is Disney 100%. They own it. And since when? (laughs) No, Disney is a cash cow. Do you really, how many people really expected them to have a season without Grogu? Yeah. Yeah, no, they, I, they, I agree. People people yeah. are not, especially if they're just casual, like, oh, I love Grogu. He's so cute. I love him. I watch it for him. You're not going to, you're not going to get the money. You're not going to get the views. If it's not, it's established. You establish this show is about Din and his relationship with Grogu. If you don't have Grogu, like what, what I would have been mad. I'm like, I don't want to watch this anymore. There's no Grogu. I'm going to be honest. Like, I want my show, My Mandalorian Season 3 with Din and Grogu in, his, in the little pod right behind him uh, flying all over. The, that is what I want. And they gave it to me. They gave it back to me. And I'm like, bless, 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 <laughs> because that is what I wanted. <laughs> the, so. the pragmatist in me understands the business decision to bring Grogu back, you know, to reunite them so quickly. Like, I understand that. Like, mm-hmm. I would have preferred more of a prolonged absence with us seeing Grogu. I, I, I wanted to see him training with Luke and have that spread out over the first few episodes where we see Din's story and then we see Grogu's story. And then there would be moments where they might almost meet. And then, like, there's there's the other shows that have done this before, and it's it can be incredibly affecting. Like, like when they, it just keeps building tension and, and when they do finally meet again, it, I had an issue with, with how it was, again, how it was executed in this series. They did such a good job of pulling my heartstrings and making me cry when they were separated. And I wanted to feel like that when they were reunited. And I didn't. Hmm. I didn't. Hmm. I mean, it was a, it was a cute moment. It just was not as emotionally impactful, mainly because it was happening during a Looney Tunes style chase. And I just felt like that was totally not, not what, what I wanted, but it's again, it's, I understand the business decision. I just didn't think it was executed well. I, I don't know. I liked it. I, 
I don't I don't have a problem with it because like I said, don't give me the Mandalorian without his son. That is not what I'm about. We, um <laughs> We have to talk about the best. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, I I just have, there are some things I have strong opinions on, and for me, um, like, The Mandalorian, for me, has, like, I have no idea what it's about, nobody did, right? Um, we get our first episode, they give us that little, like, oh, who is that at the end? And then, you know, it's all about this relationship, and how he learns to love this, this little baby, and, and for me, when they they separated i didn't i wasn't here for it and i cried and i was upset and i was like why are they doing this to me like i i want <laughs> i want my space dad with his son you know going off on adventures you know and and so now i'm glad and and listen yes yes you can have that tension but sometimes the slow burn is just too slow. I hate it. I hate it. How if many? If it's rewarding, if it's rewarding when it finally does happen, it made it. It made it all worthwhile. That's how I know, but I. But I don't it has know. Has to be rewarding. I hate sometimes. Listen, I get why the slow burn exists. I get it. I've read so many fics about uh, with the slow burn. But sometimes, like there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with not having a slow burn. I don't. I sometimes I just don't want it. Why? Why do we need? Why does everything have to be a slow burn? Yep. Yep. Well, I don't know that. I I don't know that I would call it a Star Wars tool. I don't know that I would call that slow burn. To me, that this is not separated. It isn't slow burning. This is not slow burn. Is not anything is happening. That's the happening. No. Well, like if uh, like no slow burn is the is a term where you know you have two people and they're separated for like a long time and you want them together typically romantically yeah romantically it's typically romantically like this is a slow burn where you have like these two people and you're like ah just get together already um and it doesn't happen and and like for me like i said a lot of shows do that you know where they have these and it like i said it's typically a romantic thing um and sometimes i'm just like sometimes when you have it so often um it's just it's it's unnecessary. You know what I mean? Well, I like, can see I can see that now. Now that you explained that aspect of it, I totally see. Your and point. like and yeah. and it's just like you know we had um, in in the last the last trilogy. You know, some people wanted this this Finn this Finn Ray thing to happen, and ultimately nothing ever came to fruition. So it's it's a it's usually unsatisfying. You know. Um, it can be sometimes unsatisfying. So I I don't think in this sense um, that if we had started season three, I would have been really bummed. And I guess I would have watched it, but a lot of people wouldn't have. So mm, yeah. I, I, for one, am glad. I don't, like, I didn't want a slow burn. I didn't want to wait a whole season of them being separated. Like, I know some people thought that would be, like, appropriate, but I don't want a whole season of just Din being separated from his son. Like, that's not for me. <laughs> so, that's that's where I'm going to end on that. And we can move on if you guys are ready. <laughs> I, well, I, the best decision they made, though, in the entire show, and this is not debatable, it's just straight facts, 
is having Luke and Ahsoka on the screen at the same time. All right, I will not be taking questions. We're moving on. It was freaking amazing. And um, no, so we are kind of like getting to time here, and there's we could we could have an entire show on on Luke, on Ahsoka, on the decisions <laughs> that were made there, all of that stuff. But I really want to stay focused on the the actual book of Boba Fett and take a couple minutes here for the finale. And we've all kind of talked about it, but we are all over the place with the finale. Drew, you love it, right? You you adore it's your favorite Star Wars ever. <laughs> It was a great ride, and I can't wait to watch it again. I'm very excited to watch it. Can I give you like the best 60-second part of the finale? Please do. The best 60 seconds of the finale is the final showdown between Fett and Cad Bane, mm. where I really feel like that kind of crystallizes all of what Fett has been struggling with in this show and what he's been trying to do where, you know, Cad Bane really lays it out and says, you've been trying to go straight. You had a good run. But in the end, you're just a killer. Like, and you can see Fett kind of be like, that's what he's been struggling with. And in the end, they're not, neither one of them are wrong because he does have to kill Bane in the end and he doesn't like it. Fett does not like that. Who he is still includes this killer aspect of himself. He doesn't want it anymore. He wants it to be gone because he's more interested in something else. And that's why, like, if you remember, when he does finally kill Cad Bane, um, which itself is a tragedy because that character is just so awesome, um, the camera changes and, like, you get these weird, like, overlaying flat, like, not flashes, but, like, slow motion, picture on picture kind of things. And it's kind of telling us that he doesn't like what's happening and who he is is kind of shaken. And that's kind of confirmed in the next couple of minutes when he says, I'm not really sure if this is for me. He's like, I, I thought I knew, who I, I knew who I wanted to be, but I don't think he's reconciled enough with who he was. And he moved so, f- so forward so fast. And when Cad Bane calls him out like that, it shakes him. And I really like that moment. Super, super awesome moment. Yeah, I was, I was a fan of that. MVP. Cad Bane like, it completely just... Oh, so good. Added to the show. Uh, I can't believe how well I cannot believe how well he was added to that show. I, I was yeah. shocked and amazed. It was uh, flawless. If if we're really talking about the the best things in the series and in terms of execution and everything like that, it's hard to argue for much other than Cad Bane. Like it's just yep. everything's perfect. Uh, Mark. So, so Mark, Mark, why are we wrong about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to get any argument from me in regards to Cad Bane. I, I, seeing Cad Bane in live action has been one of my holy grails for a very long mm. time. I, I just, is, I'm a huge fan of that character from the Clone Wars series, and I just, I just, you know, when we had that that anim, you know, the animated previs thing where he has the standoff with Boba Fett that was never fully done in the Clone Wars, and they sort of said, "Well, this is all canon." It sounded like, "Well, that's how." Cad Bane made it, met his end. And so I thought maybe that was their way of saying, uh, he's not going to show up later. But <laughs> him showing up as the stranger oh. and just that image, Ooh, his silhouette on the, on the horizon, I lost it. I was like, the minute I saw the hat <laughs> and the shape, 
I was like, oh my oh. God, they're going to do it. I was <laughs> so this series, there were a lot of moments where, like, as much as I've complained about it, there were moments like that where I was just like completely fanboying over what they were doing. I, I thought Kevin was excellent. I had no issues. Like I saw where people on Twitter were arguing because he didn't look like he should look. And I'm like, I don't care. It just, he, <laughs> to me, he looks perfect. And the mouth was awesome. <laughs> I got lost in the mouth. It was just like so perfect. And <laughs> but um, the overall, the finale was a lot. I had a lot of fun moments. I just... I just thought, like, overall, I felt mixed about it because, I don't know, going back to what Lindsay said, I didn't have the investment, the emotional investment in a lot of the characters to, like, just get fully into it. So it was a series of action sequences, and there were a lot of cool things where I'm like, okay, that looks cool. That's cool. And then the Rancor shows up, which I was obviously the most invested in that relationship of all of the relationships in the show, because that's the moment where I was just like, you know, hooping and hollering. Um, then there was that crazy moment where like the townspeople turn on him and I was like, wait, don't, what are you doing? Why are you oh. shooting him? He just oh. helped you. <laughs> Cut me deep. Um, Cut me deep. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I mean, I had mixed feelings about the finale, but you know, at the end, uh, it was a show that, like Adriana said, like I had fun. You know, I had fun. But do I want to see a season two? No. <laughs> yes, if it is really a self-contained story. By yeah, it's like not gonna just be, though. yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, I have a feeling I, I they're going to sprinkle in Boba Fett's going to show up again, but he'll show sure. up in the Mandalorian. Yeah, like they agree. did here, where it's like suddenly there's a Boba Fett episode, and I'm okay yeah. with that. That's you know, yeah. That whole uh, that whole concept of sprinkling in other shows into existing shows, I feel like we've already seen it because the episode in the the season two episode that introduces Ahsoka. Is kind of Ahsoka's show's first episode. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to make that point earlier. <laughs> so you have to kind of look at it as like when we look back on all of these, we'll go, yeah, they kind of were doing that from the beginning or from near the beginning. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't disagree with that at all. I think they're, cr they're creating this, you know, Mando versus people are calling it. And I feel like this is kind of just a setup story like that's what it feels like it's just kind of all right here's filling in the backstory of boba fett and what he was doing there but also maybe we didn't have enough content so we're gonna throw in some mandalorian stuff in here to make it go a little bit longer i don't know it's a very fun mixed bag of super high highs not really the lows are not really low. They're just kind of there. There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, I, and I, I, I mean, I've said, I said it before on the episode, like the mods and Chrysanthemum and stuff. Like I, when Chrysanthemum came on screen, I flipped. I was like, there's no way they're really doing that. And it was so cool. And then it just, you know, you don't get a lot more of him. Um, so there was these things that I was left wanting but also, I was very satisfied with what I got. So, do I want a season two? 
yes, but I think it's primarily because I want more of these characters. I want more Fennec Shand. I want more Boba Fett. I want more, uh, you know, Pelly and all of these characters, Chrysanthemum. But I do think, you know, it's going to happen in the other series. I do think it's going to happen mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Mando. Maybe we get, you know, Boba Fett going and helping Ahsoka with something or whatever, maybe. The Luke and uh, Boba Fett meet back up and, you know, have a conversation oh, no. about how that went. No. I can just be a whole thing. It'd be a whole thing. But uh, <laughs> we will we will have to wait on that and, uh, and see what comes down the pipeline with uh, Boba Fett, with Mandalorian, and with this whole TV universe. I think we have, we have well, I don't think, we have actually uh, Bad Batch coming next, comes out May the 4th, and then we have the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So there's a lot that we are oh. going to be able to talk about. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. This could be, uh, I mean, if, if Bad Batch is running more than, you know, three weeks, which I'm pretty sure it will be if they're doing the weekly releases, we'll have two Star Wars shows happening simultaneously for the first time. Uh, it'll be an interesting <laughs> little experiment. How will we survive? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be really, really challenging uh, to keep up with all the content. But I, nah. for the sake of you, the podcast listener... <laughs> We will suffer through it. So, uh, as we are agonizing and uh, waiting for more uh, content to come out from actual Star Wars, Mark, tell them what you are working on over at Forever Star Wars. Yes, uh, just uh, for Podcast Day, we released an episode which was a re-release of the very first episode of Forever Star Wars, where I went back and did the George Lucas special edition treatment, where I just basically (laughs) re-recorded it and kind of improved some of the background sounds and the music and the mixing and also the voiceover because that kind of always bothered me that the first few episodes were so rough, but I was learning. And uh, when we found out that those first few episodes had or were not showing up for a lot of people, I thought, well, here's an opportunity to jump in and do that thing I wanted to do. So I recorded the first episode. The second and third episodes sort of make up a trilogy Uh, because they each cover the first three Star Wars movies of my youth. And so I'm going to go back and do this episode two and episode three. Oh, nice. Released together at the same time. So I think all of them together will make a, like a introduction to Star Wars and what made Mark love Star Wars. Nice. Looking forward to that. And Adriana, are you, you got any shows you're working on anything for the people to look forward to? I am finally getting my office back, so I should be able to start recording again because I did not have anywhere to record before. Uh, So, fingers crossed, um, I will have something soon. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it was just it was just too hard. Like I can't. I had nowhere. I had nowhere to put my mic. I had nowhere to like sitting with my computer in my lap, like trying to record. And hold my mic, like, not ideal. Doing it on the floor, that was hard. The the couple of episodes that I did with you guys, like, I was literally on the floor, like, stacking my books. What? Trying to, yeah, trying to make sure that I could had a place for my mic and my computer so I wasn't all hunched over. <laughs> but anyways, so... Hopefully soon, um, once we get the last of this stuff, it'll be mine again. Um, and I'm actually sitting at a desk this time recording in a nice comfy chair. Um, so, 
I'm I'm really excited. <laughs> moving on up, moving on yeah. up. All right. Um, and Drew, tell them uh, you got what are, what are you working on? Where can they find you and get all of your musings and uh, thoughts? Uh, just come hang out with us in the Facebook group. Um, keeping up to date there. Um, I got to experience Star Wars Legion, the miniatures game, for the first time ever. It's an extremely complicated game, but it was a ton of fun. Um, I'm just working on a couple things. Getting ready for Celebration. I have plane tickets booked. I have a yeah. rental car booked. We're working on Disney tickets next. And then I've got to find a second job to figure out how I'm going to pay for all this stuff. So if anybody else is hiring, somebody who can just work in their sleep, let's, let's talk you and die. Uh, and, of course, take us home. If you want to follow us uh, on Twitter, at Clashing Savers, uh, Instagram, all of that stuff, all those links will be in the show notes. But the most important link will be our Patreon, where you can uh, support our mission to put Star Wars books into classrooms. And also, on that note, I have uh, a lot of books from our fundraiser. We had a very successful fundraiser, and uh, I need some teachers to send them to. So if you are a teacher, if you know a teacher, if you've heard of a teacher, if you know how to randomly search on Google and just pick a teacher, we need, need teachers to send books to. So go to classicsavers.net uh, and go to nominate a teacher and submit that there and they will get a box of books from us. So until then, uh, let's let's remember, you know, there's all these themes about family and respect and honor and all of that stuff, but really Star Wars is about Batch 8. Hi ho. Hi ho. <laughs> Mark was on it. He was like ready. He's like, I got okay. this. Look, there was like a pause, and I was like, wait, oh no, shoot. <laughs> you did, you did well, Adriana. You did well. Once you get that desk back, it'll be, it'll be completely perfect. The podcast you just listened to and all of the Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different information on educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it. It's ours. They made it. It's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.